Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How is he, every time he's not ready with the podcast, we're just sitting here. I don't know. This was his idea. I'm like. 40, it took me 40 minutes to get here. He couldn't have gotten this shit ready. And he's always bringing in new toys. Like, what the fuck is this thing sitting on the table? Is that like a vintage Panasonic audio recorder? Well, I don't even know what that is. So you tell me. I feel like we should hit play. <sighs> Fine. This is Jack Bishop. The date is April 19th, 2023. I've retreated to a small cabin in Big Bear. Airbnb price gouged me once again. $80 cleaning fee, yet I'm the one who has to clean the sheets. But I digress. I believe I have made a significant find in the ruins of my DVD and Blu-ray collection. An early 2000s volume of an ancient Michigan splatter picture titled Malum Mortuus Pellicula. Roughly translated, The Evil Dead, Book of the Dead Edition. The DVD case is bound in foam and rubber and includes a booklet that details demon possessions by way of foam latex, thick scleral contact lenses, and buckets of caro syrup blood. Summoned by a team of scrappy young filmmakers who roam the forests and dark bowers of man's domain to make the most ferociously original horror film of 1981. The bonus features warn that the enduring power of the film is never truly dead. It may be recalled to active life through spinning the disc, and it's through my Blu-ray player that the DVD is given license to possess my television. And I fear my dog Henry. It has only been an hour since I played the DVD, bonus features and all, and now my dog has changed. I fear he's now host to a Kandarian demon. I've locked him in the cellar of this cabin. Poor guy. Oh, God! What's the matter, Jack? It's me, Henry! Your faithful canine companion! Don't you want to pet me? No, Henry! Your eyes! For God's sake, what happened to your eyes? Henry is ours now, Jack. He's been under your command for far too long. 
Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Justin Asia. And each week we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today. And in the end, we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the shelf or be destroyed like the demons in this film through the act of bodily dismemberment. Justin, if you had to dismember me, what would be the first body part that you would chop probably i mean there's not many options there's arms or legs and head if the legs and the arms didn't do the trick then Mm -hmm. i would move on to more obscure parts of your body i guess in this circumstance you would just want to like take off the pieces that would Mm -hmm. be that would keep them moving right so the head is honestly maybe the last thing you would want to cut off or i could throw your dvd into the fireplace and see what that's true which for for this one would probably cause quite a smell yeah (laughs) uh justin what movie are we talking about today we're talking about 1981's the evil dead written and directed by sam raimi stephen king author of carrie said evil dead is the most ferociously original horror film of the year if you think he's kidding see for yourself i have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods and i have no doubt that whatever i have resurrected is sure to come calling for me Now playing at these theaters. Check your newspaper for times. Justin, how did you watch this film? What what are you working with here? I'm working with the Evil Dead Ultimate Edition on DVD. Mm -hmm. Anchor Bay Collection, uh, three discs. Wow. I'll fold it open for you. This is beautiful. It's like an accordion. Mm -hmm. So disc one is... Damn, Daniel. Widescreen. Uh-huh. with audio commentary from Sam Raimi and Tappert. Great. Disc two is the original aspect ratio with- Wait, 
original aspect ratio? Yeah, one point three. I didn't even know there was like differences in the in the rate. I wonder which one I watched. Widescreen was like matted. Crap. Yeah. I bet you that's what mine is. Probably matted. And then Bruce Campbell does a whole separate audio commentary okay. on this. We also have flip open this poster. Wow. This is a really good edition. There's been more editions of this movie than there probably has of Terminator 2. I would agree. Yeah. The, I think this and Terminator 2 probably have the most DVD editions of any film in the history of DVD and Blu-ray. But I feel good that I got a good edition. It was hard. It's hard to kind of figure out, okay, which which version is if there even is like the definitive version and it's since been released on Blu-ray and 4K. Mm -hmm. Even on the DVD, I'm able to kind of see the seams and the makeup and fingers poking through and all the rubberness of it. So I I can assume I'm not going to like a high definition. We talked about this a little bit with Texas Chainsaw Massacre that that's a movie that is was made with such a low budget that it benefits to watch that movie in probably the lowest quality you can or maybe see it projected on film. Um, I would probably say the same thing about this, which I have, the Evil Dead Book of the Dead edition, which comes in this foam rubber. It's it's a replica of the Necronomicon. As you can see, many pieces of it has flaked off and it's flaking off right now. There's pieces of the rubber on the couch. It's kind of gross. It used it. It held up for as long as it could, but um, it's reaching the point where I need to be careful with it, and I don't know exactly how to display it. I don't even really feel good about putting it in there with the other DVDs because I'm afraid it's going to start to shed. But this is cool. It's it's squishy. Uh, there was a rumor when it came out that you could stick it in the freezer for like an hour and then pull it out, and it would feel like human flesh. Ew. I never tried it. Yeah, that's that's something the weirdo fans would say. All right. And there's one for Evil Dead 2 also, right? Yep, didn't there's they, a book of the dead for Evil Dead 2. Didn't didn't they sell like a two-pack of that? Didn't Maybe. you have that? Didn't it make a sound effect when you press it? There's an eyeball on that one. You yeah. could press the eyeball and it would make a sound effect. I never had it though. Hmm. And this is just a single disc. This is just one disc that has the movie probably in its improper aspect ratio. It has both commentaries, the one with Sam Raimi and Robert Taper and the one with Bruce Campbell. I listened to them both. And then this also has a documentary that Bruce Campbell made called Fanalysis that references the Evil Dead a bunch, but it's mostly about Bruce's journey since Evil Dead as being like a convention icon. It was fun. It's sort of, it's interesting to watch because it's both a love letter to the fans of the movie, but also a little bit Bruce being like, I love you guys, but you're weird sometimes. And there's even moments where he's sort of like, the thing about the creator and the fan relationship is that it's like a yin and a yang and they come together to support each other, but they are very different Mm -hmm. and they should not mesh. (laughs) And then as you heard in the cold open, there are some Easter eggs. Uh, If you hit left on on the first bonus menu page, you get a fun little makeup test by Tom Sullivan, pretty cool stuff. This came out in 2002. I've pretty much had it since then. So you said you only watched it on DVD. You've never seen it on VHS. No, I first saw it on V. I owned it on VHS and and first saw it. So I don't know if this is the way you found Evil Dead, but I found Army of Darkness first, which I think is common amongst our generation for some reason. I think early days of the internet really embraced Army of Darkness as like a meme almost, but before memes. Because I remember going on the internet searching movie forums and movie stuff and just constantly seeing pictures of Bruce Campbell as Ash from Army of Darkness pop up, hearing sound bites on websites and me thinking, what is this funny line from? 
and discovering it was from Army of Darkness. So I saw Army of Darkness first, which is the third in the, in the Evil Dead trilogy. And it was funny to me, and it was like just the right amount of scary that I was like, now I want to see all these movies. And so I went, I skipped Evil Dead 2. I just went right back to the first one. And I remember going to Blockbuster and seeing that it was rated X and hiding it in, in a stack of five tapes so that my dad wouldn't see that I was renting an X-rated movie. Classic. And he didn't notice. And I started watching it. And by the time it hits the first demon possession. When she turns around and floats up into the air, it legitimately startled the shit out of me so badly that I stopped the tape, took it out of the tape player, put it back in its box, and decided I was not going to finish the movie because it spooked me so much. Wow. And I remember going to school the next day and just thinking about it the whole day, decided, you know what? I think I'm going to put it back in and try to finish this movie, but I'm going to do it in the daytime. So right when I got home from school, I popped the tape back in. In the bright sunshine of the day and with me kind of like jazzing myself up a little bit, I was able to finish it and just immediately was just the biggest fan of this whole. I had to see part two. Went out, rented it immediately. I mean, the, it became like my favorite. These all three school? of these movies. Uh, this was probably middle school, actually. Uh, some details are fuzzy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things I know for sure. It was middle school. I hate to break it to you, but there was a jack before you. What? Sixth grade. I, my parents transferred me to a Catholic uh, middle school called St. Mary's. Mm. Not for religious reasons. Yeah. And I lost all my friends. I was in the public school system my whole life, you know, up until fifth grade. Right. Tough to make friends. But one of my early friends at St. Mary's was a kid named Jack Williams. That's a good name. Mm-hmm. And he was obsessed with Evil Dead. I think I found it separately from him. I remember role-playing Evil Dead with him. We were obsessed with Ash. We would quote him. Mm. He built a cardboard chainsaw that we would attack each other with. But I have a memory of finding Evil Dead on my own first, watching that in my parents' bedroom. Again, the VHS player and the TV was upstairs. Mm -hmm. They're out of the house. I'm getting it either from family video or the library and doing the trick that you did, slipping it into a stack of other VHS tapes. Yeah, I was floored. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The you know, that we'll get to it, but the scene, the iconic scene in the woods, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that the, probably the first unrated movie I had ever seen. And I think this movie kind of earns its, mm-hmm. it's at least a very hard R, if not a worthy X-rated film mm-hmm. in terms of the disturbing terror that you see in it. Everything you assume about Texas Chainsaw Massacre that ends up not being true yeah, is that's they, true. True in yeah. this. They go all out. They are really bedfellows mm-hmm. in their style, their aesthetic. Yeah. And yeah, this one is more extreme. Right. But more lighthearted in a yeah. way. The tone is a little bit less dire as right. Texas Chainsaw, the first more one, intense. When I watched the first one, it did not read funny. as funny to, yeah. funny to me at all. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, same. No, I didn't, nothing was funny. I didn't even know that Bruce Campbell, like uh, even his Pratt Falls and getting stuck under <laughs> cabinets <Bookshelves>. and shelves. <laughs> Um, the way that he's being tormented. Mm-hmm. It's funny to me now, especially knowing the re- relationship between him and Sam is right. kind of like t- torturing Picking each other. Picking on each other. At the time, it wasn't funny. And I didn't I didn't think Bruce Campbell was particularly like, oh, this is a funny, campy B yeah. actor. And then watching Evil Dead 2, where you... Comedy's intentional. Comedy's intentional. You kind of learn a little bit that Sam Raimi 
was literally on trial in the UK for a video nasty had to explain himself like what for context video nasties was a list that the UK put together of movies that they deemed obscene to like a law breaking degree right evil dead was put on that list Texas Chainsaw Massacre was put on that list. A lot of movies that didn't deserve to be on there. Video Nazis were being persecuted. The filmmakers were being persecuted. Yeah. Um, so he had to like testify. Yeah. And he got he got off. There were no charges or anything right. like that. But I think the experience shook him a little bit. He felt like maybe he took things a little bit too far in the woods. Um, and when he did Evil Dead 2 there was maybe more of a feeling of like, I got to add a little bit more. Yeah. And, and it's not somebody trying to be funny. It's somebody who is. I think just embracing. Yeah, embracing. funny. My guess is that they weren't actually trying to do any humor at all in this movie, but that they just couldn't contain it. They're just naturally such goofballs. Yeah. Well, they're coming in. They're coming in with Texas Chainsaw inspiration. Mm -hmm. But Big then time. you also have filmmakers who are obsessed with the Three Stooges. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that the Three Stooges may be Sam Raimi's primary creative influence throughout his career. Yeah. And I think they, by the time he was getting around us to Evil Dead 2, he's like, well, this is just who I am. Every And he probably was able to see how audiences reacted to the first movie and were reacting with laughter and seeing the, even the unintentional humor in it and just being like, well, I'm a funny guy and I like being goofy, so I'm just going to go for it. And did you ever get into the Three Stooges? I did. I loved it. Only when it was like a, I had a specific cast that when it was Shemp and yeah. I didn't like it. I was a big Little Rascals kid, like no. the old TV show. Could. I had a bunch of tapes with Leonard Malton who would introduce him. I don't like it. Uh, so I'm a Little Rascals guy. Mm -hmm. You're a I like Stooges Tom and guy. Jerry, which I feel to me is like a little Stooges adjacent. Yeah. Uh -huh. adjacent. In turn, you know, we're not talking about Evil Dead 2, but it should be mentioned that like it's a game changer of a movie too. Mm -hmm. And we should do Evil Dead 2 at some point. Yeah. It created almost like a new type of horror with Evil Dead 2 because of that blending of slapstick. Yeah. And, and, and we'll talk about this later, but you know, a version of horror comedy. I don't, we, neither of us really love that mm -hmm. phrase, but I mean, it's a comedy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In the horror space. So it often gets pegged as a horror comedy, but discovered all of them in chronological order mm -hmm. and stopped at Evil Dead 2. Thought that was the end. Because, oh, because Army of Darkness there, doesn't say Evil Dead. There was no Evil Dead 3. Yeah. And I remember then digging through forums and stuff like that and finally realizing there was a movie called Army of Darkness that mm -hmm. was technically Evil Dead 3. Yeah. And popping that in and having my mind blown that they're even they're taking it even further than right. Evil Dead 2 into the comedy space. Did the tone of that one bump you at all, having seen them sort of chronologically? I it's a I don't know what the right term, it's not a love-hate relationship because there's zero hate for Army of Darkness, but it was a disappointment that what got me into the franchise was the intensity of the first right. one. And Evil Dead 2 found a nice balance between mm -hmm. both where you have some of the funnier aspects of Army of Darkness mixed with the extremities. The extremities of Evil Dead 1. Because Evil Dead 2 is just as extreme. It's just more over the top and goofy in its extremity, but it's just, it's probably yeah. more gory. Right. And has just as crazy dismemberments and pretty scary makeup yeah. and monster stuff. Mm -hmm. Army of Darkness doesn't. Yeah. But it's so funny. And at this point, Bruce Campbell is so charming and such a legend. You yeah. love him so much. You're just excited to see him back. And again, you've never... Imagine taking, you know, Laurie Strode from 
uh, Halloween. Halloween and putting her in a period piece where she goes <laughs> back in time to battle a medieval yeah. Michael Myers. The, like, the original title of Army of Darkness was Medieval Dead, mm -hmm. which is a great title too. I kind of wish it was just called that. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny. What is it about Bruce Campbell that nerds love him so much? Like little kids, that that was the whole reason why I even sought out Army of Darkness was because even just on the internet through pictures and sound bites, I was like, this guy, mm -hmm. he's like, he he's got an, a magnetism that like little boy nerds yeah. gravitate towards. I think part of it is that he's very handsome and he's got this sort of Herculean quality to him, but he's not a jock. He's almost more like a big brother. Yeah. Well, you've never seen a horror. I can't. Please correct me, but I I can't think of one horror movie that has a a male lead that is not really taking themselves that seriously. I mean, yeah. you have a lot of, speaking of Halloween, you have a long history of horror movies featuring females, actors, or yeah. scream queens. The final girl. The final girl, all those tropes, right? And even to a degree considered maybe bad business to put to cast a male lead yeah, in your movie. definitely. And then along comes Evil Dead where... Ash is not immediately the leading character <laughs> no. of this movie. I mean, really, even the only reason why he becomes is because he's just the last one left alive, but not yeah. because he's heroic. He's anti-heroic. <laughs> he's a klutz. He's a dumbass. Yeah. He's a, a coward. A coward. <laughs> and so you have Scott, who is typecast yeah. as, as the leading guy. He's the he's one. He's who you think would be yeah, the lead. He's the one who takes action. When yeah. Ash is paralyzed in fear, he does something. He locks yeah. uh, Cheryl in the in the cellar. cellar. Yeah. And so then when everybody dies and it's just Ash <laughs> and he's forced to rise up, mm -hmm. it's kind of inherently funny. Oh, yeah. And then you realize like he is the, he is the leading man. Mm -hmm. He always has he's that energy. He's the most energy. handsome. Yeah. But but he's off handsome. He's not yeah. traditionally handsome. Yeah. Um, he's got the big square jaw. He's approachably handsome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and he's just funny. You don't see, you don't see that. You can see Sam Raimi picking on him mm -hmm. in it. That's kind of funny. Very. Um, and then in Evil Dead 2, when shit hits the fan and he's pushed to the limits of like psychosis, yeah. He milks that oh, so well. Evil Dead 2 yeah. is a star vehicle for Bruce Campbell. Bruce yeah. Campbell shines mm -hmm. in the first Evil Dead, mm -hmm. but not because the part is great. Right. He just shines because he's got that energy. Evil Dead 2 is written so specifically for Bruce Campbell. It's the perfect role, the perfect part, Taylor written for him to make him a star. And it's insane that he didn't become a bigger star. Do you think Evil Dead 2 is the greatest horror movie sequel of all time uh, yeah off the top of my head as far as horror movie sequels go yeah probably i think it stands a good chance mm -hmm. the thing i love about this movie about the first one is that the budgetary limitations are so obvious and yet it feels completely limitless it feels like the kind of movie that if you're a producer with any brains in your head and you saw it you would be like give these guys a million dollars and let them go make another movie with more money because they clearly know how to like make an entertaining movie. And that's what I like about Sam Raimi in general. He's all about entertaining the audience and he's always been. He's not really trying to push boundaries of high art with his movies. He just wants you to like have a fucking good ass time. Yeah, but he d and he does it in a way that's not copying mainstream. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's very original. It's very original. Did you hear a number? Like sometimes it's hard to figure out the, the true budget. The common one that I heard that seemed like the the median is three hundred and fifty thousand. But that's after it ballooned. 
Yeah, I heard. I heard it started. They started with a hundred to hundred and fifty. Yeah, and it finished at close to five hundred. Okay, yeah. So that was, but the, that's 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 like three or four years of work. Yeah, because they did principal photography in seventy nine, but they didn't get it all, so they had to spend like another year basically here and there shooting pickup stuff and then spent like another year finishing it in post houses and things like that. Right. So it took a long time yeah. for but the movie to actually get finished. A bigger number than I was expecting for Oh yeah. for a movie like this. But done in a, the most ragtag mm-hmm. kind of way. Well, what you start to see too uh just to jump ahead for one quick second, mm-hmm. third act, the movie falls into a trap that almost every single horror movie on earth falls into where you have the main character in this sort of all is lost moment, wandering around in this empty space where something really bad just happened. We haven't quite got to the conclusion yet. And there's just no dialogue, Yep. ambient sounds, no monsters, no creatures, nothing. Just a, a character walking around, waiting for the next thing to happen. And it often lasts 10 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it drives me crazy in horror movies. And it starts to drive me crazy in this movie, too. However, unlike other films, Sam Raimi says, hmm, this is boring. Yeah. How can I make it more fun? <laughs> yeah. And they are putting the camera up in rafters. They're doing gags yeah. where Bruce Campbell's standing on a box and his shoes That's are That's when some wiping. of the most inventive stuff in the movie yeah. happens is just when Bruce Campbell is going crazy by himself. Yeah. And that's ultimately what makes a movie with no budget go over the top to transcend Mm -hmm. what even Hollywood does where they have all the time in the world. They don't have a lot of money, but they have all the time in the world. All the actors are gone. They're wrapped. It's just Sam and Bruce and a couple other people. It was like four of them by the end of it. Yeah. And they're just playing around. It's like, that's what makes a movie. Yeah. Historic. And it's what makes this movie a calling card for Sam Raimi. Like he came out the gate with a movie that showcased such an original style and is it's because of i think mostly because of that sequence obviously the movie works like gangbusters before that as a horror film but by the time you get to that sequence that you're talking about is when the movie starts to really show itself as like a trademark sam raimi Mm -hmm. movie and i think you go in not knowing who Sam Raimi is and you come out going, I got to keep an eye on this guy. And I think mm-hmm. people did. Honestly, I think there was a, f- a phase in my life where I understood Star Wars and the hype behind it. And it was a universe that sucked me in, in a way that nothing else has ever done since. And I would say for me, Evil Dead did that for horror. Yeah. It created a horror universe that as a kid in middle school and then in high school, sucked me into this deadite universe yeah the the world of the necronomicon and i wanted more yeah the way that the deadites are not quite as terrifying as like linda blair and the exorcist but they have a little bit of that element for mixed sure. with comic timing and chaos chaos just absolute chaos <laughs> yeah and and personality I like that they're all distinct and, and like every time somebody gets possessed, you don't know what you're going to get. It really can't be overstated how influential this movie was on me. You know, I I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker before I saw these movies. But after I watched Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, I was like, I can make a movie right now. Because you watch this movie and it has that quality to it where you're like, I can see how it's done, but it works so well that like, 
I think I can go out and do this. Yeah. And you get inspired. Even now, watching it the other day, I was like, I want to fucking make a movie. There's just something about the quality of friends going out to a cabin and making such a bonkers, effective movie, with, clearly with very little, is just like a creative B12 shot. I think they should show this movie first day of film school. I know, and they never will. But they should, because yeah. there's nothing that can get you more hyped about making movies than watching this movie. Honestly, before you start thinking about the message of your movie and the artsy fartsy of everything, making something. get jazz about making something, get creative, yeah. right? So that's what I think this movie does well, is it's not saying anything, right. but it's, it's an inventive- It's an exercise in exciting filmmaking, yeah, crowd-pleasing. Exactly. I, and speaking of, I brought, I did a trilogy. Well, it's more, it's two and a half movies called When Good Things Go Bad. It's about a, a lone man whose appliances come alive in his house and start attacking him. I'd made some movies before, but after I saw Evil Dead, I had to go make my own of it. And this was- Did you make that after Evil Dead 2? Oh yeah, I saw. Yeah. I watched Evil Dead and then like basically the next week watched Evil Dead 2. And then basically the next week started making When Good Things Go Bad. And these were the first movies that I really like was a director for. Made a lot of movies with friends, but didn't finish a lot of them. It was mostly just having fun, you know, playing around with techniques and stuff. But when I was making When Good Things Go Bad, I was like, this is my life's work. <laughs> and I start, this is when I started experimenting with like reversing footage. You know, you watch this movie and you can see, oh, they're, they just wrap the twigs around her legs and then they pull them and then they show it in reverse and it looks like the twigs are grabbing her. And I was like, what can, I can do that with a plug, mm -hmm. with, a, with a long plug. I think it's the... It's the it's not the film that made me want to make movies, but it's the film film that made me want to make horror. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back with Cinema Possessed, and we are talking The Evil Dead. And joining us, join us, is a little deadite herself, Corey Clifford. Hello. Corey, you have seen all The Evil Dead films, correct? I have. The three of us, we all went and saw a, a triple feature of Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, and then oh, it was yeah. capped off by the 2018 
remake, which mm-hmm. was hadn't even come out yet. So it was like it was everybody's mm-hmm. first time seeing it. It was a really fun all day extravaganza. And all night. It was grilling. I was here in Los Angeles. But I was trying to think. I was like, when did I watch that? And maybe that was the first time that I watched Evil Dead 1 was yeah, when probably. we did that. Because I was trying to think and I found such a cute little picture. So Evil Dead 2, I had seen before. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time I ever saw it was because of you in college. So Justin and I have a birthday one week apart from each other. And I guess in college is when we started the tradition. For many years, we would throw these big parties. Joint birthday parties. Joint birthday parties where they would be themed. And we did a joint birthday party. This is when the maybe the first year of us knowing each other because We were still living in the dorms and we had a 1987 themed birthday party where everybody had to dress up as a character from 1987 from 1987 and classic me. I panicked and I was like, I don't know what to be. Jack (laughs) figured out for me. And he was like, oh, you should do Evil Dead. And Justin and I dressed up Evil Dead 2 dressed up as the character the he was ash and i was annie and i found this picture i like deep dive we're so cute and young looking wow posted on the gram i was i i thought i was the most amazing (laughs) person brimming with confidence confidence and excitement Uh for a life that never came well what's funny to look at this picture is if we were to like i'm sure at the time people were like oh my god you guys went so all out on your costumes but if we would have done this party in LA, you would have had a chainsaw arm. Oh yeah. Like you would have full blown had a chainsaw arm. This was arm. before the, did you even have an exposed arm? I think he did. I think you can't see it in this picture. It's technically but Ash has that missing sleeve. You probably did. You just can't see it I in the picture. I hope so, I don't know. It's Otherwise it's embarrassing for me. <laughs> I'm sure it was ripped off. And it's I did H.I. McDonough from Raising Arizona at that party, which is fun because 1987 was Coen Brothers and Sam Raimi releasing Evil Dead 2 and Raising Arizona, which are very similar in style and tone Mm -hmm. and changed the game. Tarantino has talked about many times that like he and his buddies, when Evil Dead 2 and Raising Arizona came out, they were like, this is the future of filmmaking. Wow. And if you don't like these movies, you're Mm -hmm. a fucking idiot. So I think that was when I was really introduced to Evil Dead was from Evil Dead 2. Yeah. And so what did you think watching it again now? I really liked it. I... It's interesting to compare this to kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the way of like a low budget horror movie. Yeah. And I remember when we were doing that episode, you asked me, did like the 70s kind of cheap element of it make it like appeal or not or not appeal? For this one, it appealed. Yeah. Um, I feel like it worked for me fully. I had the same feeling as you of like it's it has an inspiring element of it of like, let's just go to the woods and make a movie. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really fun. I think there's a lot more charm to these characters. Like, obviously, Bruce Campbell is, is so fun and like such a star. I did think while we were watching it, I was surprised that it wasn't as much of a comedy. And like I even asked you, I was like, did it become more of a comedy in Evil Dead 2? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I really liked it. And it scared me. Like the jump scares I yeah. was hiding. Watching it with you, you jumped probably five different times. Yeah. Generally, what is your feelings on gore? Do you like it? I do. I do. It depends. In this, I totally get it. Yeah. Like, it's fun. Even, like, in the new trailer for the new Evil Dead, like, the gore in that movie, it it's looks, like, exciting. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, I easily get scared and grossed out. Like, if there's anything with, like, 
peeling of skin or fingernails. Which you did, I saw I have you do a hide. couple. You did it with yeah. the Achilles heel. Yeah, that. Oh, yeah. When she was like scraping down. <laughs> oh, awful. But it's it has a fun element to it. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I think you said this would be such a fun role. Oh my gosh! Yeah, about getting one to of the play. Women. Yeah, getting to play like the possessed character yeah. either the sister or the girl the girlfriend i think is really funny when she's like sitting there cross-legged the yeah <laughs> um let's get into it the it. opening of this movie opens with a fake steady cam shot which they uh, lovingly call the shaky cam and basically it's just a camera on a plank of wood mm-hmm. that they just run through the woods with and you're sort of cross-cutting between that and the characters driving to the cabin hey scotty what's this place like anyway well, the guy that's renting it says it's an old place. A little run down, but it's right up in the mountains. And the best part is we get it so cheap. Yeah, why are we getting it so cheap? Well, I don't know. Might be in real bad shape. You mean nobody's seen this place yet? Well, not yet. Well, it might not be that bad. No. Actually, it might be kind of nice. Yeah. It's probably a real pit. They're all kind of dorks, which I like. <laughs> They all are dressed a little dorky. It's not doing the classic thing where they're they're all different stereotypes. They're all sort of blending a little bit. I mean, like there's various little... Di- Scotty's clearly kind of an asshole. Yes. He's a little bit of a goober. Bruce Campbell looks like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber in the beginning of the movie. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Like when he's sitting in the back of the car is all I could think about. Yeah. And Cheryl is Ash's sister. And then there's Linda, who is Ash's girlfriend, who was giving us big Beth Clifford vibes. Big oh Beth my Clifford. gosh. You thought it too, Justin? Yeah, of course. Looks uh, just like Corey's mom. Looks just like my mom. It was wild. <laughs> uh, they almost get into an accident. And her with cute a little personality too. Yeah, she was cute. Uh, they make it to the cabin. You get this great sequence of... The porch swing knocking against the the wall that's creating this kind of creepy vibe as they're walking up towards it. Almost similar shot of the Texas Chainsaw porch. Oh, yeah. They also go investigate the work shed. Yeah. In the work shed, they have all these sort of bones and old trinkets hanging on the ceiling. And they said Mm -hmm. in the commentary that that was a direct homage Mm -hmm. to... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, their right. salute to the what they refer to as uh, the ultimate 16 millimeter film. Yeah. The editor was Edna Paul, but her assistant was Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. Such a fun little weird. And this is how Joel met Sam Raimi and would later on in the 90s live together. Sam, Joel, Ethan, Francis McDormand, Holly Hunter, and Kathy Bates all lived in a house together. For a little bit. And there's rumors that they didn't like Kathy Bates too much. And the obvious reason for that is that everybody has been in each other's movies except for Kathy Bates. Mm. And there's, so there's this big question of like, why hasn't Kathy Bates been in a Coen Brothers movie? Why hasn't Kathy Bates been in a Sam Raimi movie? And there's speculation that like she was the roommate they didn't like. <laughs> wow. I actually feel like Misery has a little bit of Raimi vibes and a little bit of Coen vibes. Well, on. that's because... Um, Reiner. Yeah, Rob Reiner is a good filmmaker, and he, of course, would obviously love The Evil Dead. And Stephen King loved The Evil Dead, called it the most ferociously original horror film that he had seen that year. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned on a podcast uh, on a previous episode that Bill Paxson and and James Cameron went and saw Evil Dead 2 together and came out 
loving the hell out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was because one of them had probably seen Evil Dead. Yeah. It was like, we got to go see this movie. In the process of working on this film was what gave Joel the idea of shooting a proof of concept for Blood Simple because they had not made a movie yet. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell made a proof of concept mm-hmm. called Within the Woods in order to raise money for the Evil Dead. Yeah. And they also to, with sh- with the actress who plays Cheryl. Ellen Sandweiss. Mm-hmm. It's about 30 minutes long. It's very cheap. So yeah, Joel saw that and thought, wow, it worked. That, that That's a great idea. And so they ended up making a proof of concept for Blood Simple that was more like a trailer. It was about three minutes long and it worked for them too. Who did a better first film, Evil Dead or Blood Simple? Well, it's hard because Blood Simple I think is a masterpiece, but Evil Dead is more- Evil Dead is a masterpiece of horror. And, and Evil Dead is a masterpiece too, what am I saying? They're both masterpieces. Evil Dead clearly has the lasting life and impression, you know, it won't die. Blood Simple is one movie that like, if you're a Coen Brothers fan, you'll go seek out, but the mass public doesn't ever talk about it. Like they mm-hmm. talk about Fargo or No Country for Old Men, but everybody still talks about Evil Dead. Yeah. History says Evil Dead wins, but Blood Simple is a brilliant film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go check out the cellar. There's a Hills Have Eyes poster in there and it's ripped in half. Mm-hmm. They said that when they were watching The Hills Have Eyes, in the RV trailer of that movie, there's a Jaws poster oh. and that the cannibals rip that poster in half. And they felt that that was Wes Craven saying, well, if you thought Jaws was scary, here's the real deal. This is real horror here. And so when they made Evil Dead, they thought, okay, we're going to do that to Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. So they took a Hills Have Eyes poster, they ripped it half and that's them sort of saying- Hills Have Eyes is way scarier than Evil Dead. So well, if that's what they're trying mm. to do, I think. I think Hills Have Eyes <laughs> is the scariest movie I've maybe ever seen in my life. And then I think Wes Craven then continued to return the favor by putting a, oh, he put he put Evil Dead in um, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's and funny. then in Evil Dead 2, they put Freddy Krueger's glove in the work shed. So they had this little back and forth that they were doing. That's they fun flirt, stuff. Flirting on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> so they end up finding the Necronomicon, which is the Book of the Dead. All the drawings in the movie, including the Book of the Dead, were done by Tom Sullivan, who did the makeup. And I think it has like such a cool style yeah. to it. Like it's very like, unique. Very style. unique, iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have tried to do evil book stuff, and yep. we're always referencing this as like, we want it to look like this. Yeah, and- it's hard not to. They also find this weird Kendarian dagger that has a skull on it. And uh, Scotty says, kind of looks like your old girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and they also find a reel to reel tape recorder. They bring it upstairs, they play it. The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant, but are never truly dead. They may be recalled to active life through the incantations presented in this book. It is through recitation of these passages that the demons are given license to possess the living. Hey, what'd you do that for? It's just getting good. I just don't want to hear it anymore, that's all. Hey, come on, I just want to hear the rest of it. No big deal. Tatra amistrobin hazarta. Tatir mano mansizon hazan sobar. Samanda robza darhis hiker tans de roza. Ganda. Shut it off. Ganda. Shut it off! Kanda! Shut it off! Oh my god! It's 
freaks out Shelly. Shelly's like, turn it off. Try it. I would do it though. Never. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. There's no way. If we went, if we rented a cabin and there was a reel to reel tape recorder there with the tape in it, you know I'm plugging that thing in and playing it. Because I'm not thinking I'm going to release demons. I want to hear- That's true, that's true. I want to hear history. Yeah. Something old is on this. I want to hear it. That's true. But I am I guess I'm more so thinking about like, I refuse to ever do a, have like a Ouija board in our house. Oh, well, that's different. Uh, you're, you're knowingly conjuring yeah, spirits there. Yeah. But it's not out of the question for a group of curious young mm-hmm. teenagers to play that's a real- true. No, no, no. Could be an true, OG true, true. sex tape. Audio only. Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you what, with my talk boy as a kid- I made some tapes that would possess people. I had a tape that was literally like five minutes straight of like every fart I did that summer. Corey, <laughs> I'm getting concerned. <laughs> Just episode after episode. We get, we get like a little bit more revealed yeah. about his twisted mind. He's just revealing all of his like trauma and his quirks. I don't think it's his trauma. I think it's trauma he's put onto other people. Mm-hmm. He's putting it onto us. He's traumatizing us. Did he have friends? Oh my God, their farts were on there too. Yes. Whenever one of us had a fart, we would yell it out and the other people would scramble so hard to grab the talk boy, <laughs> literally dive across the room so that we could capture it. Five minutes. Mm. And would you fart. just listen to it and laugh? Oh my, you, we would laugh on the tape. You know, you would fart and laugh and then you would laugh in real life. It was just a, a barrel of laughs. It's funny. I thought you were gonna say- Sex se- sounds? sex sounds. That's what, what I thought too. Well, we you, just were talking about a sex thing oh. and you were like, I had some things. I was like, ew, what you like jerking off yeah. into the oh, talk no, boy? No, 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 Farts no. I can get behind yeah. more. But jerking off in a talk boy, that's, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in the commentary, Sam and Sam Raimi and Robert Taper and Bruce Campbell, all three of them talk about how they think the movie is like too slow and that it's it takes forever to get going. I, I don't know. I don't agree. Watching it with Corey, I was like, this movie's rolling because it's doing scary stuff. It is rolling, but I understand what they're saying. And that's kind of when the movie becomes what it is, becomes the Evil Dead. You know, there's still some inventive stuff in the beginning, but it's. Yeah. It's at this, the tape, starting with the tape recorder, that's when it's like, all right. Well, they t- they talk about it in a way of which, like, if they could do it again, they would, like, speed it up and get right into it. And I don't know. There's To me, I think part of the reason why I got so startled when Cheryl changes is because there is enough eerie buildup that it fucking worked. Yeah. Like, it, it, I think you need some of it. Um, this was a 50-page script. Apparently, it was like 12 pages of setup and 30 pages of action. A funny scene where where Ash gives Linda the necklace. They're playing eye games with each other. He's mm-hmm. pretending to be asleep. That was cute. And he keeps peeking at her. That necklace is heinous. Heinous hideous, necklace. Hideous. And this, this uh, thing that he's doing with his eyes where he's pretending to be asleep, but he's actually looking at her, will come back later on in the movie. It'll be reversed on him mm. later on. I read somewhere that they edited this movie in the same place where Brian De Palma was editing Blowout. Mm. And I thought that was interesting because there's kind of um, a sequence in this movie that happens right here where you see the energy, the spirit in the woods. It's, it's almost like a point of view. And it's going from window to window. And it feels very reminiscent to like that opening scene of Blowout, to the opening scene of Halloween, mm-hmm. to what we did in Senior Slasher. It feels like one of those sequences where the killer is stalking around, looking at all the little youngsters inside the thing. Right. Yeah, this energy is outside and it's calling to Cheryl. And this is probably the most controversial scene mm-hmm. in the movie. She ends up getting 
attacked by the trees and the twigs themselves. They pull her to the ground, they rip her clothes off, they expose her breasts, they spread her legs, and a big old tree branch penetrates her. It was, like, gruesome. It's pretty disturbing. It is disturbing. It's arguably the most disturbing thing in the movie. It's well done. Very, the way in which it chases her, too, like, it all was very... Scary. It's authentically mm-hmm. um, traumatic. Yeah. Apparently, it was written to just be an attack. It was not written to be a rape. And they even shot it initially as just an attack. But they said in the commentary that they watched the dailies and they thought it wasn't quite scary. They were just worried just from looking at the dailies that it wasn't scary enough. And so apparently, it was Robert Tapert's idea mm-hmm. to go in and shoot some extra shots that made it a rape. But yeah, I mean, this is the this is the scene that Sam Raimi says if he could do it all over again, he wouldn't do this scene. Yeah. And they, you know, they acknowledge that it 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 is the moment in the movie when like a lot of women do leave the theater. Like they they decide I don't want to watch the rest of this yeah. movie, and they clearly were not wanting to disturb people in that yeah. sense. It they 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 admit that they probably went too far with this idea. It's not the most offensive thing I've ever seen, but it's not necessary for me. It doesn't make the movie for me. It's not what I love about Evil Dead. Yeah, it doesn't if you lost that scene. It wouldn't change how I feel. Yeah, about I the agree. Movie. I agree. Good gag here. This is one of the good jumps that I got you. Was when she she find, she escapes the trees. She runs back to the house. The door is locked, and so she she reaches up to get the keys that are stashed on the top of the Ugh, door. Stressing and me she out can't so get them. Bad. And then they finally drop, and she bends down to grab them. And as she does, Bruce Campbell's hand comes into frame and grabs her. And there's a big sting, and it works really well. It's a good scare. Chase scenes like that are probably what get my like stress levels the highest in movies where you're just like there's no way you're gonna get caught you're gonna get caught it's funny because chase scenes are the kind of thing where you can watch them and be like i totally see what they're doing a hundred percent you can see it but it works it works (laughs) like they're just effective so then they're all hanging out cheryl's wounded from the woods they're just basically waiting for the sun to come up now and they're playing cards two movies in a row now where character is trying to psychically guess cards Mm mm-hmm and in this one, she is lying to her. You can see the cards that she's holding. And every time Linda says Ace of Spades, you can see it's like a seven of diamonds. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you got it. She's just being a nice friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, as they're doing it, all of a sudden, Cheryl, who is like sitting looking out the window. Ace of hearts, seven of diamonds. Eight of spades, two of spades, jack of diamonds, jack of clubs. <laughs> Sleep, awakened us from our ancient slumber. <laughs> you will die like the others before you. One by one, we will take you. It's good. And yeah, this is what this is when I turned that tape off the first time, and then I ended up completely stealing this scene for when good things go bad too. But I do it with a TV. The TV's on, and there's a news announcer on it. And the news announcer starts guessing the cards. And then when they turn, the news announcer is like. Do you also play the news announcer? No, Matt Aurelia does. But I play every other character in the scene. (laughs) I think I I argue that this is the most effective scene in the whole movie. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. I agree. It's the best makeup, I think. Like it's the coolest, scariest looking makeup. When she turns around, she starts to float and levitate. And they created this mechanism that was like a long two by four that they slipped through the window. 
had two guys on one end of it holding it and they attached like a body harness to Ellen so that they could almost like a seesaw style lift her up in the air and they just use blackout curtains, which is really fun. They called it an elevator because her name was Ellen. But yeah, this is this is the most iconic possession. This scene looks fucking great. She ends up grabbing a pencil and stabbing mm-hmm. Linda in the Achilles tendon and fake leg, fake foot, fake ankle looks awesome. Yeah. So painful looking. And this scene also introduces one of the most dangerous foes that Ash encounters in this movie. The bookshelf. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He is so like a dummy in this movie. Cheryl hits Ash. He flies across the room, crashes into a bookshelf. It falls on him and he just cannot get the fuck out from him. This happens like two times in the movie. (laughs) At least least two times. He is completely trapped by this Ikea level bookshelf. And you can see how light it is. It's so small. He Um, says in hindsight, he wishes he just played it that he was just knocked out. Yeah. (laughs) So then, um, because Ash is stuck under the bookshelf, Scotty has to take action. Scotty grabs an axe, starts beating the shit out of Cheryl, knocks her onto the ground, kicks her into the cellar, and locks her in, chains her up. I think this is a cool last beat of the the scene where he climbs onto the cellar and he's like getting bumped up and down Mm -hmm. on it. I do love puppets in general, but I I wish that they did not use a puppet in that shot. Which one? Because there's two puppets. There's a puppet head and there's a puppet hand. The head mostly bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. The hand's funny too because it's so rubbery and floppy that you can clearly see that. But yes, like all the stuff they put the actors through, all the practical elements of the movie, they couldn't have found a way to just pretend to hit you know, it's like yeah. actors get fake punched in the face yeah, all they, the time. They said the reason why they made the puppet head is so they could actually strike it with the axe a couple of times. It's not necessary. Yeah, it's just too, yeah. it's, it's really foamy looking. I don't often look at the slideshows on DVDs when those are a special feature, but for this, I ha- I was like, I, want, I just kind of want to get it all. And not only were the pictures in the slideshow great because they're all behind the scenes pictures, so you're getting these, all these great, young, youthful pictures of Bruce and Sam, but also in that slideshow was all of Tom Sullivan's design drawings for the monsters, not only for the book, but for the creatures too. And it, it revealed a lot. They had a different theme and idea for each person. And it explained some of the makeup choices that aren't explained in the movie. For instance, Ellen Sandweiss, uh, who plays Cheryl, her demon is supposed to be death demon, which was represented in like she's slowly rotting and falling apart, which they kind of achieved that in in hers. Scotty's makeup. You notice how when he turns into a deadite in the movie, he's got like this black on his nose. I hate it. He was supposed to be the beast demon and he was supposed to look almost like a dog. I that it looked <laughs> doesn't so quite come through. Silly. Doesn't quite come through. It was the silliest. None of them choice. quite come through. Yeah. Shelley's, who is the second one to get it, she was supposed to be a bird demon. Mm. And her face was supposed to have like a beak quality to it. Which again, I don't think they succeeded. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad none of that came through. Well, but I but I think they tried. Like the attempt is there. That's why she has this kind of weird built on her face is like fatter than everybody else's. It's like much more built out like a mask. And I think that's part of the reason. And originally, um Ash's girlfriend, Linda, who is like the Cupid doll, hers is originally supposed to be a snake. And they ended up totally pulling the plug on that one and going doll face. So then you get this demon POV looking at everybody. And this is the moment when Shelly goes, what happened to her eyes? For God's sake, what happened to her eyes? 
the eyes were done with these massive scleral contact lenses that could only be in for 15 minutes at a time because they, they covered your eyes so much that your eye couldn't breathe. So they had to basically set up as many shots as they could in advance, pop the scleral contact lenses into the actor's face, and then shoot as much as they could for 15 minutes and then take them out. Yeah. And they could only do that five times a day. And apparently, Bruce Campbell was the eye doctor who put the contact lenses in. And he would wash his hands in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they said it's because Bruce was the only one responsible enough to do it. Yeah. To be trusted to put the contact lenses in. It's disturbing. In. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, the grueling, uh, grueling shoot. And they definitely, you know, it seems like everybody was gung-ho to be there at first. And then as these days drug on and as the shoot got colder and harder... Everybody became more and more just exhausted. It seems like there was some high tensions at time. Yeah, it's hard to say what what was worse, this or Texas Chainsaw. But yeah, sounds like Sam was not a mean person. It just was grueling. only to Bruce. Only to Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> but gru- grueling conditions, nevertheless. Yeah, they they uh, Cheryl said at one point she was. Um, I think it was Cheryl. Maybe it was Shelley. Said at one point she was in the cellar. She had the contact lenses on. She was waiting for them to roll camera. And everything was quiet. And she was like, guys, what is going on? And everybody had fallen asleep (laughs) (laughs) at the camera. Um, Not the first time either. Yeah. He was like rolling for 10 (laughs) minutes on like a crane shot (laughs) just to sleep on the Yeah, because everybody, but I think especially Sam Raimi was just completely sleep deprived the whole time. Man, that just sounds so fucking fun. I can't imagine it. Even the hard stuff sounds fun. So uh, Cheryl kind of becomes like the Greek chorus of the movie. She's trapped in the basement and she's just sort of like commenting on <laughs> she's everything. She's so funny. <laughs> You're not going to leave me, are you, Ash? Are you? I don't want to die. You're not going to leave me here, are you? Are you, Ash? <laughs> that would honestly be really scary if your friend got possessed and you just trapped him in a little cellar like that and they just could spend the rest of the night trying to scratch you like a cat, talking shit at you. I do feel like though, they didn't, they weren't as scared of her as I feel like they should have been. Yeah. It's just odd that they, like Scott could suggest that they should go to sleep. I know, know like, exactly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, did you hear that they uh, stoked the fire with moonshine? Mm-mm. So in Bruce Campbell's book, the guy who brought them, who was their location scout, who was a local Tennessee dude, a real true local redneck, was the one who helped them find the cabin. And he had a hookup to moonshine. So throughout the set, they were all consistently sipping on this moonshine, but it was Bruce said it would make you more crazy than drunk. And they ended up just using it to, to keep the fire going. They would just throw the moonshine into the fire. And they said that if it burned blue, you knew it was good moonshine. And if it burned orange, it probably meant it was made in like a car radiator. Wow. <sighs> so then Shelly gets possessed. The, the demon entity just basically breaks through a window and you get your introduction to what they call the Ramo cam, which is basically just uh, putting a two by four either above or beneath the camera so that it breaks the window first before the lens hits it. Mm, yeah. That's cool. They did another one called the Vasocam. Did you see that? I think maybe that was just in Bruce's book. It's like a slider dolly, but it's made out of uh, two sawhorses with the two by four in between it. And they would wrap it in duct tape and then put Vaseline on it. And then they attach the camera to a wooden, to a U-shaped wooden board and put Vaseline on that and stuck it on there and they could like slide it like a dolly. I like that. A homemade slider dolly. That's smart. Pretty fun. I think the Shelly scene is fucking crazy. Because they do... A, this is what happens to Shelly. First, they set her head on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
they pull her out of the fire and she goes, Thanks for pulling me from the fire. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know what it would have done if I had remained on those hot coals burning my pretty flesh. Then she tries to set Scotty's head on fire and Scotty ends up pulling out a knife and cutting her hand off partially. Mm-hmm. She hops up, bites the rest of it off. Meanwhile, Bruce is getting attacked by the bookshelf again, so he's not able to <laughs> this thing. Then Scotty takes the Kandarian dagger, stabs her in the back with it. <laughs> Pushes her onto the ground, impales her, not dead yet. She comes back. Bruce gets the axe, but he's not brave enough to use it, so Scotty has to take the axe from him, and then he chops her into pieces, and you basically see every limb. You, you see the ankle get chopped, the arm get chopped, the head get chopped. He chops so much that blood literally ends up running down the, the screen. This is an insane... Yeah. And it lasts for about 10 minutes, this whole sequence. The makeup is not as good in this sequence, which is the only thing that kind of sets it back. You can really see the seams on it. Yeah. But... The ambition of this whole possession and kill is awe-inspiring. Yeah, her dismember, <laughs> her dismemberment looks pretty good. It looks great. Holds up. Yeah, but. they're using big uh, chunks of baloney mm-hmm. to do to do like, the legs and arms. And then they have this great final shot where it's looking down onto the ground, and you see all of her little body parts wiggling and her head mm-hmm. moving. And they did that with a false floor where they actually put the actress under the floor with her head sticking up and then the producer Robert Taper was playing one of the arms and one of the legs. Actually, I think this was the scene where they said everybody fell asleep while they were stuck in the floorboards. (laughs) Um, So at this point, Scotty doesn't give a fuck and he's like, I'm leaving. And Ash is like, but... But Linda is wounded. She can't move. And he literally <laughs> says, your she's your girlfriend. You take care of her. Right. And Scotty bails. Mm-hmm. Scotty's such a bitch. Would you? Be, I mean, obviously, it's close friends. You would hope that they would all be like Ash. What would you do? I would tell. I would take the shotgun. I would get down on the ground like <laughs> Willem Dafoe and Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. And I would blow my head off of my body. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess, is that the goal? Do the demons want? What do they want? They just kind of want to fuck around, seems like. <laughs> yeah. So they don't necessarily have any sort of like ulterior motives. I think most demons just want to bring souls down to hell. To I tr- guess, yeah. Or maybe that's their way of living is getting mm-hmm. into other people's <laughs> bodies and like that's their kind of way of coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I assume it's all different demons. Mm-hmm. It's not just one entity. It's all kind of this uh, gang of goons. Yeah. This is kind of the vibe gremlins. They're yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like gremlins. Mm-hmm. That's what we need more of. We need more gremlin possessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's find, usually one demon. Yeah, and it's usually Satan. I don't like that. Or like Pazuzu or That's something. That's true. Mm-hmm. The, I like that, that this is, is what a makes gang them more of fun. demons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Night of the Demons is a good one that does it. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost basically an Evil Dead ripoff. And Casper the Friendly Ghost. There's a gang of ghosts, and they're oh, pretty fun. And they do possess Bill Pullman do, at one point. And they possess lots of people. That's like what they're out doing, and that is how they live. They're just having a fun time, and they're a little gang. Patreon, let's watch Casper. Devin Sell. So then uh, Ash goes in to check on his girlfriend, Linda, who's been stabbed with the pencil in the Achilles heel, and we see that this wound on her ankle is spreading like a virus across her skin. It's this pretty cool stop-motion effect where they clearly hand-drew on all these veins and it sort of spiders out over a leg. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that took about an hour and a half with a with a, uh, a double. It wasn't actually the actress who did it and got such a bad cramp in her leg that when they were finally done, she rolled over and threw up. Ooh. 
So then now Linda's possessed. And I got to say, this is my least favorite possession. I think she's so funny. I think I, I think um, there are people who like adults acting like children, and then there are people who don't. I'm in the people who don't category. You think it's just that binary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't ever love when a, a role calls for an adult to act like a child, no matter how silly, funny, serious, dramatic. Well, she works. was like doing it on set behind the scenes, and the crew was like, shut the fuck really? up. <laughs> and they were like, this is more effective than the snake version of you. Let's do the baby doll. Ah! Uh. It was it was creepy. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. Not another peep. Time to go to sleep. Yeah, We're I agree with you. I think it's annoying. It's not scary. It's unsettling. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, I think some people think it's really scary. Mm-hmm. But I like how then she becomes normal again. She's like, Ash, help me. Yes, and that then is goes the one thing I do to like. It. It. It's like I like the good. trick, which we did. That was the extensively for in, You're Not My Girlfriend. People listening, go check out You're Not My Girlfriend. Stars Eli Roth and Mina Suvari. Completely our Evil Dead homage that we made with Funny or Die. Oopsie. That's it, demon bitch. No more games. You're not my girlfriend! Wait, wait, David, it's me. Seriously? You expect me to fall for that? You literally did that 10 seconds ago. Yeah, but it's really me this time. Uh-uh, uh-uh. no, I call bullshit. You're trying to get my guard down so that I'll get on my knees to kiss you and you can puke in my mouth again. Well, it's not gonna happen, lady. Obviously, that was just a goop. They were totally game. They both totally got it. It was a good, good time was had by all. And like Evil Dead, it was a real marathon of a shoot because we shot it all in one day. Multiple... Uh, extensive makeup changes. Shot by the great Barry Almore. Mm-hmm. Edited by the great Jack and Justin. Yep, good times. So Ash attempts to chop her up. He takes her into the work shed. He pulls the chainsaw out, which is the only chainsaw in the film, which is surprising. Corey had asked me before, she said, "Is there, do they not use the chainsaw in this movie? I said, nope. Evil did too. And yeah. then when they get into the work shed, he pulls the chainsaw and I go, oh yeah, I forgot there is a chainsaw in here. But it literally only comes out for about two seconds. Yeah, he tries to cut her up with it, but... She can't. He can't do it. And apparently this w- this definitely was a scene that Joel Cohen cut. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to murder your girlfriend. That's the point. That's the we theme all know of that. the movie. We all know that. We want sometimes we want to. <laughs> and this is where we get a callback to the eye games because while he's digging the hole, she's pretending to be dead and she's looking at him. And every time he turns and looks at her, mm-hmm. she closes her eyes. Classic. Love it. And at this point in the movie, you're starting to see some major continuity errors. Yeah. Well, one the biggest, I remember noticing this as a kid and not really understanding, mm-hmm. but I was like, why do the deadites always look different? Yeah. Like the hair looks different. <laughs> the face looks different. Mm-hmm. And you come to find out it's like they're using four or five different <laughs> what they call fake shemps yeah. to play these character to play these characters. Sometimes it's, it's a man, sometimes it's a woman, they'll change the gender. Sometimes it's Ted Raimi. <laughs> yep. It's very distracting. Sometimes it's a doll. Mm-hmm. Once all the characters kind of start to die down and they're just monsters, that's basically when they started to lose all their actors. Yeah. And you can't blame them because they were they all signed up for a six week shoot that ended up going eight weeks and ended up going ten weeks and I think ultimately went to twelve weeks. Wow! And so once it started pushing that, they just started dropping like flies because they were like, "We got to go back to school. We have other commitments." So that's when they started having to fake stuff. And with every time they did this too, they have to find wigs that match, and that never happens. So the wigs start getting kind of crazy in these things. Bad. But I'll say 
it really doesn't prevent me from buying into anything. It certainly didn't when I was younger. No, it's just noticeable. It's, it's noticeable. It's, it's um, I think the movie would be better had that was if that had been a little bit more consistent. But yeah, but also that just adds to the charm. Adds to you the know? charm. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, that's Evil Dead One. Yep. Save the save the continuity for Evil Dead Two. Yeah, huh. I think they do a very impressive job for the. Despite the actors looking different and some of the makeup, the locations, considering that a lot of this stuff was picked up in Sam's parents' basements, mm -hmm. uh, their backyard, Bruce Campbell's parents' mm -hmm. house, they make all the locations yeah. look pretty seamless. To not me. to seem not to seem like I'm ragging on the movie and being I like that I'm the only one being harsh on it, but Greg Nicotero says he loves the movie, yeah. but the makeup for him is the one weak point of the movie. It would be a million times scarier had they had a little bit more budget to hire. Yeah. The other aspects of the movie that are rough around the edges are charming and actually lend to the spookiness. But yeah. I do think the makeup, which is so so close to being so good, yeah. the intention of the makeup is in the right place. It's just not... Yeah. Ultimately, it's effectively gross, which I think yeah. is the goal. Mm -hmm. So he starts to bury her. This is a cool shot where he starts throwing dirt on the lens. And they don't, I don't, did you see them mention this at all? It feels like a happy accident because he throws a shovel of dirt onto the lens and it covers almost the entire frame except perfectly exposes Bruce Campbell's head and face. And so you get to see him take one more scoop and throw it on there. And I thought, wow, that just looks like a, a happy little accident. Uh, Linda ends up bursting out, attacking Ash. They have this little tussle. He starts hitting her with these beams of wood, which they called its murder beams. At this point, you gotta be laughing. Yeah. This scene is so comedically absurd. She jumps at him. He ends up cutting her head off with a shovel. Her severed neck falls onto his face and just squirts blood all over him. And it's hysterical. <laughs> and she's like kind of humping him too while yeah. she's decapitated. And her head is in the ground laughing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Now, th this is the thing about the humor of this movie. It's like indescribable to a certain generation. I could never get my parents to give any of these movies a time of day. No and way. I tried a little bit. No way. And they were both, my dad included, was like, mm, I'm not watching. I don't no, care. My dad would check me into a hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just something about the quality of this movie. It's combination of violence and humor that strikes a chord with certain people and some people just don't fucking get it. You know what I'm really curious about? More hmm. curious than that. What would Gen Z think about the movie? If you showed it to a young 18-year-old right yeah. now, would they get it? Would they like it? Would they, they haven't, they're so used to watching Marvel. Right, I think that there's enough films. of a, a retro vibe mm. in it that is cool. Yeah, they you, might think it's sort of niche and like a, ooh. Do I bet they'd be bored though. To be honest, I don't know a lot of 18 year olds. Mm. I know a bunch. I know a couple and I'll ask them. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we can do a follow-up. Yeah. Oh, we should screen this. I for... actually would be interested because I am still close with the girls that I used to babysit who mm -hmm. are now young women in That college. could be a fun backyard Please, yes. Yeah, Let's I would be interested. On the next episode, we're going to ask you to report back. Try They're to listeners get, too, so Try to get someone in that age range mm -hmm. to watch the movie on their own time. I will, if they have to pay for it, I will contribute okay. towards their rental cost. Hey, there we go. So yeah, then, then we get this great extensive going crazy sequence with Ash all alone. We talked about this all. You get shots above him, below him, 
under the floorboards, above the headboards, mm-hmm. wonky canted angles all over the place. The clock. Sam Raimi hanging on the rafters upside down. That shot, they talk about how the you know that was innovative in that when he passes by the rafters, you hear this womp, 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 womp. Yeah. Which is cool. And I don't, people were like, wow, what, a, what an interesting, t- to provide sound to wood passing in yeah. front of the screen. I think Tarantino references that in Jackie Brown. And Sam Jackson goes and picks up Chris Tucker. They're walking down from his apartment and the camera passes by a fence, these, but this barred fence. And as it passes by, it's going. And I, every time I see it, I think, I bet you he's thinking about Sam Raimi when he does mm, that. Could be. So then Scotty comes in. He's been attacked by the woods, and now he's starting to get possessed. He's all bloody and, and, and cut up, and what they don't show you is he has a stick in his stomach, but you do see it later. He starts getting possessed. Basically, Ash gets double-teamed by Cheryl, who busts out of the, the, the cellar, and so he's fighting Cheryl and Scotty. He ends up pulling the stick out of Scotty's stomach, and it causes this geyser of blood to come out. (laughs) Apparently, people thought he was pulling his penis off. Mm -hmm. People are weird. (laughs) That's my preferred interpretation. Doesn't look a thing like a penis. Doesn't look a thing like his pants. Looks like a hard penis to me. Looks like a stick coming out of his shirt. Looks like a hard penis. Uh, And he ends up shoving his thumbs into Scotty's eyeballs, which looks great. Yeah, that's that head. That's a that's a prosthetic head that looks really good. That looked good, yeah. So as he's getting. Thrown around by Scotty and Cheryl, Ash realizes that if he just tosses this book into the fire, it'll kill him. He does it, tosses the Necronomicon into the fire. They start to melt in this great combination of practical and stop motion. There's Mm -hmm. like matte shots with it. It looks fucking cool. There's all these different colors. They fall into the ground and explode and all these bugs come out. There's roaches and snakes and An stuff. arm, like crazy monster yeah, this, arms. Yeah, it reminds me of Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> Big hand, or like the shrimp hands in Beetlejuice that come out of the, and <laughs> yeah. grab them in their face. Yeah. It's quite a climax, I think. And then the sun comes up, all is right. Mm-hmm. Ash has survived, he walks outside. He did it. He, he did made it. it. He's a man. Through the night. Survived the trial. The the end. Or is it? We start on a single leaf. We pan up and we're flying across the woods. The camera roars through the trees. The doors start slamming open on the, the cabin. It runs through the entire cabin, bursts through the front doors, goes right towards Ash. He turns around. The camera goes into his mouth. It's great. Love it. The rumor was is that this was Sam Raimi on a motorcycle. Not true. Absolutely not true. Does Evil Dead 2 start there? It does start there? Well, you get a quick recap. Uh And what they wanted to do for Evil Dead 2 is they wanted to just show scenes from the first movie to recap you. Mm -hmm. But because... New Line had bought Evil Dead. Couldn't get the rights. And they weren't making Evil Dead 2. They couldn't get the rights, so they had to go and reshoot stuff. And so they got one actress, new actress, with just Bruce, and they make it look like just Bruce comes out there with his girlfriend, and they do like a very speedy recap of what happens in the first one, and then, boom, it starts with Bruce Campbell getting uh, Does he narrate? But the way they make it seem like the first one was just the two of them? No. Yeah. Well, they no. they do in the, the in two the, of them. Yeah. In in Evil Dead Two, it's just Bruce and his girlfriend that come out to the cabin. Oh. In the recap, there's not like four people. Oh. 
That's right. I'm surprised Evil Dead isn't more of like a Halloween time movie. Like, I feel like you don't see it like on TV. It's or too like extreme even e- to be on TV. Well, what about Evil Dead 2? That could be on. Well, that's pretty extreme it's too. Extreme. Or maybe not even just TV, but like like at like the new Bev and places like that. Like, it is. It is. They, yeah. It is. Yeah. I feel like it's always like Halloween and Freddy Krueger. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really think of Evil Dead as a Halloween. Like, I feel like we don't usually watch it around Halloween. Well, it's not like an AMC, you know, staple. And by AMC, I mean AMC Network, you know. Well, like yeah. The, when you think of Halloween and the movies that play on TV. You think Honestly, the, AMC Network kills it. The Halloween marathons, the Friday, Friday the 13th. But it totally could be. It's kind of interesting that it's not. Yeah, I think it's because it's not marathonable. There's a ton of Halloweens. There's a ton yeah, of Friday true. the 13th, a ton of Nightmare on Elm Streets. There's only three Evil Deads of this, fran- of you know. So, But the franchise still lives on today. We got the remake. We have a brand new one coming out. The new one looks, I mean, the trailer, who knows, but the trailer looks so fun. Evil Dead Rise. The, whoever is playing like the possessed mom in it, in the trailer, that is like totally something I'm watching. I'm like, I want to do this. It looks yeah. so it does look fun. fun. The way that they do possession in the Evil Dead movies is fun. Very fun. Well, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Do, 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 do. 
I'm not going to upgrade. I have no interest of owning this movie on anything else other than DVD. I feel like even DVD is stretching the limit of what <laughs> this should be. This is, this is a VHS movie. This is a this is a DVD movie at, at, at worst. I don't know. Blu-ray, 4K doesn't make sense to me. It's just marketing. They're just trying to sell, right. sell some extra copies. And they're going to get that money. They're going to get that money, but not from me. Speaking of, the people who invested in this movie, that three hundred fifty dollars to $500,000, did not see any of that return for the first few years. But then once this movie did its thing, started making that money and started building that fan base, Sam Raimi and Robert Tapert, Bruce Campbell, they not only returned all the money to the investors, but those investors keep getting checks to this day every year. Oh, God. Like they just making- yeah. The money rolls in because of this, you know, because this has such a loyal fan base. Yeah. They can keep releasing it. This, and good on them. I want them to keep why, making money. This is why you invest in indie movies. Because mm-hmm. you never know. If you believe in the filmmaker, if you believe in the story, invest. But yeah, I love the movie. It has shaped me mm-hmm. as a human being, as a filmmaker. It inspired me. It is playful, it's inventive, it, it's just in the things that you and I do, it's helpful as like an, insp- as a workbook of yeah. like, hey, push yourself to be creative and be playful and inventive. And it's the, it's the perfect horror comedy. Um, Evil Dead 2 takes that even further. Mm-hmm. Army of Darkness, highly recommend everybody go out and watch all three, especially back to back. And especially and, now, we're in the week of the, the yeah. new release of the film. Go out and watch them before you go see the new one. Mm-hmm. And uh, a spiritual, a spiritual um, movie in the same vein as Evil Dead that I think is also good that people should check out if they like Evil Dead. Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Amazing movie. Very Evil Dead. Also gratuitous, over the top, unrated. Not as good as Evil Dead, in my right. opinion, but still fucking fantastic i agree how about you jack what are you gonna do you're gonna keep your uh necrophomicon well i fucking love the movie obviously um and i still find it hugely influential so there's no way i'm gonna not have this in my collection it sucks a little bit because i completely agree with you on the dvd aspect of it i'm i'm honestly not interested in watching this movie in 4k i would hope that a blu-ray would maybe not hurt it too much in terms of exposing too much but i do here's my deal i'm not getting rid of this because this is too cool even though it's falling apart so time is going to get rid of it for me Mm -hmm. pretty soon but i'm not gonna speed it up but i didn't know i was potentially watching this thing on the wrong aspect ratio which i'm certain i am and i'm an aspect ratio stickler you are and so i've got to kind of be true to that and that actually makes me curious i'm like what am i missing I need to watch it in that 1.33. I'm not a DP and I'm not the most technically savvy person when it comes to camera formats, but I mean, it's pretty rare for a 16 mil film from that period to be widescreen aspect ratio natively, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, those, those back then, like Texas Chainsaw, that was, they were mostly four by three due, just due to the nature, maybe widescreen didn't really become more prominent until super 16. Well, it depends on, you know, what they, yeah, what what they shot it and matted it to and, and the blow up too, because they all blew up to 35 after shooting on 16. That mm-hmm. might 
do something. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I need to look into it. I need to investigate. I didn't know there was a discrepancy between mm-hmm. the aspect ratios. So I think I'm going to maybe eventually get a Blu-ray of this. I'm not going to go 4K because I don't want to see what, I don't want to see that. No. But, I don't want to see that. But I might upgrade to a Blu-ray at some point. But for now, I'm pretty content with my Book of the Dead edition until it craps out on me. But the disc still looked great. I didn't have any issues with the look of the movie. Mm-hmm. Corey, how about you? What are your final thoughts on the Evil Dead 1981? A great time. Hey. <laughs> are you going to keep your copy of the movie, Corey? I'm going to keep that copy right under my pillow like I've kept it there for 27 years. If, you, if I was to get you the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead, uh, would you... I would throw it out as fast as it came in. Wow. What if I got you a wallet that just looked like the Necronomicon Book of the Dead? Ooh, that's cool. It exists. No. It exists? Yeah. A Necronomicon wallet? Yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. Well, speaking of the Book of the Dead, and now that we've said everything there is to say about the evil dead, what do you say we play? (laughs) The Book of the Dead? Mm-hmm. I will be speaking <laughs> like this no. for the remainder of the quiz, and I will be processing my voice to sound like a Jedi. Question number one. The Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, was first conceived by this influential yet problematic author in their 1922 short story, The Hound. Was that a question? Corey Stephen King. No. What's the question? I know. Who wrote it? Who was the influential yet problematic author who first conceived of the Necronomicon in their 1922 short story, The Hound? 1922. Influential yet problematic. Mm, Justin, Mark Twain. No. Justin, William Faulkner. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'll give you a hint. He loves to craft. Justin, H.P. <laughs> <H>. Lovecraft. <laughs> right you are. Question number two. Similar to the Necronomicon, this early 90s cult hit features a spell book titled The Manual of Witchcraft and Alchemy, which featured an expressive eyeball and was used to conjure a spell in which a virgin must light the black flame candle on Halloween night. Justin, Hocus Pocus. Justin has two points. God. Question number three. Both the Necronomicon book and the Skullface Kandarian Dagger from the Evil Dead were also featured in this big-budget early 90s sequel concerning a hulking masked serial killer. Masked? Corey Halloween? Wrong. Justin Halloween 2? That's not correct. Corey Scream? No! (laughs) You said sequel? Yes! In early 90s. Yaha! I'll give you a hint. This killer likes hockey. Justin, Friday the 13th, part two. No! Oh. What? 
early 90s. Also, don't forget, this movie features the Necronomicon and the Kandarian Dagger. Likes hockey? The killer likes hockey? Yes! Is that the hockey mask, Jason? Yes. (laughs) Jason and somebody versus each other? Justin, Freddy versus Jason? No. Wait, I can't remember. Did you say sequel? Yes. It is a sequel in the franchise. Friday the 13th. I'll give you another hint. It does not contain Friday the 13th in the title. But is from the franchise. Justin, Jason goes to hell. Yes! The final Friday! Question number four. <laughs> this recent horror film about demonic possession features a book called Invocations, which is not bound in human flesh or scrawled in blood, Justin, but is used to summon a greedy and vicious demon king. Hereditary. It's Demon King Payment! He's back again! This is excruciating. It's truly. Oh, but the listeners will love it. <laughs> Number five. You sure about that? Book of the Dead was the title of a 1989 anthology book which featured short horror stories written by iconic horror storytellers such as George Romero, Tom Savini, and this royal horror novelist. Justin Stephen King. Yes! <laughs> Justin is winning by a long shot. <laughs> Speaking of the king, Stephen King famously called The Evil Dead the most ferociously original horror film of the year. But he has less kind words to say about a film that came out only the year before, which in 2016 he described as like a big beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside it. Hmm. Is it one of his movies? I'll give you a hint. (laughs) It's one of his movies. Justin the Shining? Correct! (laughs) Final question. Corey, this is your chance as this one is worth ten points. (laughs) Which of these movies does not feature a scene in which a character is watching the evil dead? Does not feature a scene in which a character is watching the evil dead. Uh A. Donnie Darko. B. A Nightmare on Elm Street, or C, Shaun of the Dead. Corey, Donnie Darko? Wrong again! <laughs> Justin, Shaun of the Dead. That is correct! <laughs> Although there is a scene where Shaun tells his co-workers that Ash is under the weather. Huh? There is a Evil Dead reference in the film, but he does not watch the movie. Why do you have like you a have a British, British accent, accent now? It's just the way that this is the British Deadite. You sound like Mrs. Doubtfire. Has yeah. a Kanaya Deadite <laughs> fire. Well, that, that my friends, friends, is the show. Follow us on social media at Cinema Possessed Pod, where we announce our next week's movie ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch with us, email us at cinemapossessedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to get even more possessed. possessed 
Head on over to patreon.com slash cinemapossessedpod and unlock the Cinema Possessed bonus materials, where we talk about more than just what's in our collection. Those come out twice a month. Plus, you'll gain exclusive access to our Patreon-only giveaways and community message boards. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get these pods. And Justin, what movie are we talking about next week? Next week, we're watching Jim Henson's 1986 film, Labyrinth, starring Jennifer Conley and David Bowie. You remind me of the babe. What babe? Power of voodoo. Voodoo? Voodoo. <laughs> Do what? You do. And as always, keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed. Join us next time on Cinema Bye.